0: be a pro with AC Pro. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Welcome to Rico Bronia. Evan Roberts, I still sort of have COVID, so this is a COVID edition of Rico Bronia. So I was locked in my bedroom for the last three days, and all I did, all I did, was watch New York Mets baseball, and a lot of it. So when they play a doubleheader on Saturday, and it's two long games that go extra innings, I think I benefited the most, because what the hell else was I going to do? Stuck in isolation in my bedroom. So selfishly, I was very happy that they rained the game out Friday, because for those that have dealt with this whole COVID thing, you've probably dealt with what I did, which is for the first two days, you feel like crap, For the first two days, you feel very, very sick. And then by day three, you're like, oh, that was it. I feel better. Except I can't leave my room. So Friday, in the midst of that rain out, I was sick as a dog. In fact, I'll explain how sick I was. If they played that game, you ready for this, Hoff? This is unbelievable. If they played that game, I was not going to score it. That's how you know how effed up I was on Friday. That's like a game changer. When's the last time you didn't score a game? Well, no, there are games I don't score, but usually it's life. It's we're doing a radio show or there's some kind of plans. But the last time I didn't score a game because of health was uh, probably 2013. I remember that. What was that series they played against the Chicago White Sox where Matt Harvey dominated? It was uh, 2013. So they played a game against the White Sox and I was so freaking sick. I had walking pneumonia. That's what I was diagnosed with, even though Craig will tell me there's no such thing as walking pneumonia. And I was so sick, I watched the game like laying upside down on my couch. So it's been a while, Hoff. Usually I'm scoring the game if I want to score the game. There isn't a hell thing that's going to knock me out. But it was that bad Friday. But Saturday, oh my God, I woke up. I smelled the fresh air because I have windows open. And I said, give me baseball. Give me two freaking games of baseball. And obviously we'll get into those games. The Mets were very, 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 very fortunate to win those games. And look, overall, they come out of this Atlanta series, and good job by you, Pete. Pete did an excellent job with Rico Bronia after that big series win against Atlanta. Stepped up. He was clutch. He was Jeff McNeil with two outs in runners in scoring position. Obviously, I was pumped after that series. I think we all were. I think most of us were stunned that they actually won that series against Atlanta but I did look at this four-game set against Chicago and wonder, Nah, I wasn't worried, I just wondered, how are they going to respond against a crappy baseball team after an emotional series win against Atlanta, knowing the All-Star game is about to hit? And I certainly wasn't the only one. Gary Cohn mentioned it a lot during the broadcast that this this whole series kind of had the makings of a letdown series. And before we kind of lick our wounds over losing the fourth game of this series and really giving one game away. They won three out of four. All right, so the big picture here is the Mets did not overall face any kind of letdown from beating Atlanta two out of three. They went to Chicago. They beat a crappy team three out of four. It's very difficult to a sweep series. And I think overall, we should be very happy that this team is able to take care of business. They didn't lose ground to Atlanta, who did the same thing against Washington, where they won the first few games and then lost the Sunday game. I think the frustrating thing, and we'll get into it, is how they lost the Sunday game. But overall, the Mets responded. There was no letdown in terms of wins and losses. And I think what was really important, because obviously... They didn't hit this weekend, we know that, and they were fortunate to win two out of three over the weekend, but what was really important is what they did on Thursday night. They came out on Thursday night, fresh off of winning that series against Atlanta, and they beat the crap out of, you know, it's actually a decent pitcher in Keegan Thompson and the Cub bullpen. I know that was very, very important, right out of the gate, Francisco Lindor's ripping that RBI double, right out of the gate, they're putting up three runs in the second inning, and so... Game one of this series was kind of like a tone setter, was a, all right, nice series win against Atlanta, that's great, we're all pumped up, but we're going to back it up by beating a crappy team, especially a team that came in on a six-game losing streak. So, number one, they jumped all over Keegan Thompson, Francisco Lindor, who was so big in that Atlanta series, picks up right right where he left off, Carlos Carrasco, we've talked about it, we're either getting a really good cookie Carrasco, or we're getting a crappy cookie Carrasco. We got a really good Carlos Carrasco. And he had to battle early. Like that second inning, right after the Mets put up those runs, he puts the first two guys on base. But we saw a trend throughout this weekend against Chicago. Most times, when the Mets allowed Chicago Cub base runners, they were able to turn a big double play. Usually it was Lindor and Guillerme. They're like a freaking fine wine as a double play combination. But Met pitching were able to get a lot of big double plays in this series. But I thought the opener was huge. Because right out of the gate, this offense clicked. They picked up right where they left off. Brandon Nimmo got hot. Pete Alonso hits a bomb. Patrick Mazzica's contributing a two-run double. So I thought the first game of this series was very, very important to come out, kick some ass, get a victory right out of the gate, and make sure that right after that series win against Atlanta, they didn't go backwards. Because that could have happened, especially with the Braves taking on this minor league team known as the Nationals, and they're about to get more minor. Yes, we will discuss Juan Soto a little bit later on. There's a few things we'll hit on besides this series victory. The plan for Jacob deGrom, why I have a war with war, and Juan Soto. All of that will be covered throughout this Rico. But game one of this series, Carrasco's great, the offense clicks, boom, 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 we get a victory. Now, I felt sick during this game. I scored it, but here's what I did, Pete, because I always need to be honest. In the seventh inning, after this game is completely blown open, I think at that point it's it's 8 a nothing, 6 nothing, because it's before Pete hit the two-run home run. I was so freaking sick, I shut the book. Okay, I shut it. I said, I will do this at a later date because I feel so awful right now. I was cold, then I was hot, then I was cold again. It was freaking brutal. I never sneezed or coughed. I just... <laughs> I had temperature changes. Have you had the, the COVID yet, Hoff? No, but everyone in my house has but me. So I'm the one who's escaped. Uh, so I have no idea what it feels like. Listen to everything I say, because at some point you're going to probably have it. <laughs> and you're going to do with everything I just said. Look, I'm laughing about it now, because at the end of the day, I'm fine. And my family's fine, and everybody's happy. So whatever. But Thursday night, I saw Pete hit the two-run home run in the eighth inning, and this was my reaction. All right, I will put that in the book uh, at another time. So I watched the last few innings. I did watch Trevor Williams get one of those Mushnick saves, as I like to call it, because Phil Mushnick is always reliable to bitch about a three-inning save and a blowout. And he's not wrong, by the way. It's actually one of those spots where Mushnick's right. So I'm giving him credit here. It's a Mushnick save, as uh, I like to refer to it. So I saw the whole game, but man, I shut my book. I was so freaking sick. And that's why on Friday, I may have been the one person who is ecstatic about this rainout. And here's the other thing that was good about the rainout, because the Mets have had a lot of rainouts over the last few years. They've played a lot of doubleheaders. They've been mostly successful in these doubleheaders. But the negative of a doubleheader is not the result of that day. It's the fact that it screws you up five days later. That's the biggest issue with a doubleheader. Because the All-Star break's coming up, the Mets didn't have to deal with that. Because you knew, okay, no game Monday, no game Tuesday, no game Wednesday, no game Thursday. And oh yeah, Jacob DeGrom's coming back. But forget Jake. The fact that they had all those days off, the doubleheader was never going to negatively impact them in terms of what's next. Obviously, day of, sure, you got to deal with it. And as we saw, Buck Showalter dealt with it. Because he made a decision. And that decision was, I'm going to go ball to the wall in game one. But in game two let's just see what happens, because I've already used all my key relievers, and I'm not using them twice in one day, which I don't disagree with. As much as 20 years ago, maybe you ask Edwin Diaz to pitch twice in one day, or you ask a reliever to pitch twice in one day, and look, the Cubs did it with Michael Givens. You're going to be smart. You're going to be smart, especially with a bullpen that's been taxed a lot. A bullpen where you want to be careful with Adam Adovino, who's been great. Where you want to be careful with Edwin Diaz. So, that, of course, was the negative when you play a doubleheader, but I was thrilled that we weren't going to have to worry about, hey, how does this affect this team five days later? As far as game one of this doubleheader is concerned, before we say anything about this game, Ramon Jesus needs to lose his job. That was, you know what, that's too harsh. I apologize. Ramon Jesus deserves like a minor, hey, go remember what it's like to be an umpire. Okay, go study the strike zone and then we'll bring you back and give you a second chance because the umpiring in game number one of this doubleheader, game number two of this series was atrocious. When Brandon Nimmo thinks you're a moron, when Brandon Nimmo is saying, what are you doing? You got trouble. And it wasn't just Brandon Nimmo. It was everybody. And look, I think we're spoiled nowadays because I got to give umpires credit. This is something most people won't admit. I'm going to admit it. The umpiring today is better than it's ever been. I really mean that. And the reason why we think it's worse is because we're smarter now. We have a box in front of our own freaking eyes. Like, I've been in isolation, Pete. You know I've done a lot of weird crap for the last three days, and one of which is I've watched a lot of old baseball, like I did during the pandemic. And you know what I see when I watch old baseball? I know what you don't see. I know you don't see boxes. (laughs) You don't see boxes, and you see crappier umpiring. It's absolutely true. I said this during the pandemic to Beningo. I'll say it to everybody now. The umpiring is better than it's ever been. But you're right, Pete, we have a box in front of us now. So we as umpires at home are also going to be exposed in a more obvious way to a missed call. It's just the way it is. We're going to see it in a more obvious way. So that adds to our frustration. And I admit that. Like I'm saying that before I continue to rip a Ramon de Jesus that I know if this was 32 years ago we would still notice bad umpiring but it is a little bit different. With that said, I mean this would this was abysmal. And this isn't me bitching about the Mets, the Mets got screwed as much as the Cubs got screwed. I'm not even telling you the Mets got screwed more, everybody got screwed. We as fans got screwed. I mean it was it was atrocious from beginning to end. And Gary Cohn mentioned it on the broadcast, but I, I follow that umpire scorecard Twitter account, and I noticed that most umpires are in the mid-90 90, percent, ninety percentile in terms of correct calls, which, I mean, think about that. That's pretty good. If you got a 95 on a test in high school, Pete, you're having a freaking celebration. If I got in the mid-80s, I'd have a celebration. Dude, 75, I'd have to throw a party. What are you talking about? Pop the champagne. <laughs> exactly. Ramon de Jesus's horrific day, which we all admit was horrific and the numbers backed up was horrific, was in the high 80s. Which just shows you <laughs> that these umpires, even a guy like De Jesus on a game like that, they're right a hell of a lot more than they're wrong. With that said, with that said, he was very, very, very bad. And the Met offense, and this turned out to be a theme for both games of this doubleheader, and then obviously the finale of this series on Sunday. They just could not get a big hit. Very reminiscent of last year, very reminiscent of 2020. They were one for nine with runners in scoring position. It was a very, very frustrating game to watch. Pete Alonso had that big RBI double in the fourth inning. Outside of that, they couldn't buy a big hit. In that same inning after Alonzo's double, they got a runner on second, nobody out. First of all, McNeil can't advance him. Then Escobar striking out. Then Dom Smith, who, I mean, just stinks. I feel bad that he got hurt, but he's he's terrible. Grounds out the shortstop. And it was the story of the day. Like, they could not get a freaking big hit. And look who we're talking about. We're talking about Marcus Stroman and Brandon Hughes, who they made look like, Sandy Koufax, and Rowan Wick, and Scott Efros, and basically a bunch of pitchers most of us have not heard of. It was very, very frustrating to watch. Especially then, extra innings, 10th inning, first and second, nobody out. Now is the time for Tomas Nitto to lay down a freaking bunt, and he can't get it down. And Brandon Nimmo strikes out, and Guillerme can't come through, and the Mets do nothing in that 10th inning. With that said, how about the freaking defense? I mean, when you look at how they won this game, they won this game because of something that none of us could have ever predicted and that is J.D. Davis having to play first base late in the game because, well, this is what happens when you've decided that Dom Smith is going to be your first baseman, and you pinch run him because he gets hurt. Not that they really had a choice. I would have pinch run him anyway with a guy like Starling Marte, but you do put yourself in a tough spot. When Dom comes out of the game, J.D. Davis comes in, and you've got two options. J.D. Davis plays first base, or you move Pete Alonso to first base, and you lose the D.H., which I am dead set against. If they're going to give you this stupid rule, you got to hold on to it. And we've seen Buck a couple of times, sometimes kind of in a non-offensive way, sometimes in an offensive way, lose the D.H. in a big spot. So he's kind of forced to have to play J.D. Davis at first base, a position that he's barely played, a position that... Look, I don't think he's ever looked bad at first base. He's barely played it. But when he's played first base, you know he's not a first baseman. Like, I don't think he's been atrocious at first base in the limited innings he's played. But no one's exactly trusting him. In fact, J.D. Davis doesn't remind you of this podcast namesake in any way. The great Rico Bronia. With that said, poor J.D. Davis. He's stuck at first base. He's stuck there. What's he going to do? And by the way, I was thinking about it. After J.D. Davis pinch runs for Dom Smith and the Mets don't score in the 10th inning, if they decided, hear with me, because I was thinking about it, because I do think Pete Alonzo is a better defensive first baseman than J.D. Davis, and I do think about defense late in the game. But this just shows you how miraculous the play was. I was thinking, all right, as much as I don't love losing the D.H., if you move Alonzo to first base, the D.H. spot would be in the seven hole. You've got the three-hitter leading off in the 11th inning. You're putting yourself in a spot where, think about it. Let's say there's two outs and there's bases loaded. So Lindor, Alonzo, get on. McNeil, Escobar, out. Think about this. You lead to bases loaded, two outs, tie game, the pitcher spot up. But you do have Starling Marte available off the bench. So I was thinking, am I willing to put myself in a spot where I know the game's not going 15 innings because of these new extra inning rules. I may only need to pinch hit for that pitcher one time. I've got Starling Marte. If it leads to bases loaded two out, tie game, or another situation, I could always go to Marte. I was thinking about it as much as I hate losing the DH, because to me, do I trust J.D. Davis at first base in a big spot? (laughs) And we can all laugh about it now, because J.D. Davis made the freaking defensive play of his life. A defensive play he'll probably never have to make again because he's likely not to have to play first base very much. Between Pete Alonzo and Dom Smith, it's not like you're often going to have to have J.D. Davis at first base. But what a freaking play. I mean, that was unbelievable. Eduardo Escobar makes a great play by, first of all, getting to that ball, getting up making somewhat of a decent throw. And by decent throw, I mean a throw that a player at first base can make a play on, as opposed to it being 10 feet over his head or 10 feet wide. That's what I mean by a decent throw. And J.D. Davis with an incredible scoop, an incredible pick. I mean, freaking fantastic. It really was. So I think that's one of those baseball moments where you say to yourself, that's freaking baseball. A guy has to play first base, a guy doesn't play first base, and a guy makes like a stupid defensive play, really was incredible. Really, really was incredible. So good job by our man, J.D. Davis. Congratulations. Now we hope to never have to see you play first base ever again.